and welcome to the Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming, and I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And we're going to be talking about the lectionary text for March the 29th. That's going to be the fifth Sunday in Lent. We're getting closer to our Easter celebration, but we've still got a couple uh, weeks to go, including Holy Week. Uh, usually we do some kind of announcement. Well, pretty much everything that uh, we may have been doing as a denomination has been canceled, so uh, we'll get you some more information about that when we can. Make sure you get on some of the denominational Facebook pages and, uh, the, of course, the website, cpcmc.org is the Ministry Council website. Uh, that's going to have links to all kinds of news and um, information about the church during this time. So make sure you do that. Also, remember, you can get uh, evotions done by Cumberland Presbyterians for Cumberland Presbyterians at cpcmc.org forward slash evotions. Think of devotion, but take off the D. Um, so, uh, so far as the text, it's going to be Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, Psalm 130, Romans 8, 6 through 11, John 11, 1 through 45. That's a pretty big, long text. The Collect for today, which is a beautiful prayer. I love this prayer. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. All right, so general themes for the week. Um, I think uh, one general theme is that we have no spiritual vitality apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, the collect for today that we just read is a beautiful prayer because it recognizes that we are sinners. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, it can be given to us to love what God loves and desire what God promises, and that we might be able to fix our joy on these heavenly things that the Spirit reveals. Our spiritual deadness is seen in the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel. In the epistle passage, it is the mind that is dead because it's fixed on earthly things, not on spiritual things. And in the John passage, spiritual athapy is seen in all the characters. So the, di- the disciples who don't understand Jesus' words about Lazarus falling asleep, or the crowds who say this man could heal the eyes of the blind but couldn't keep his friend from dying, or even Martha who says, you know, if you would have been here, my brother would have lived, or when she says, one day my brother will live. So in this, you have this, um, I guess, this progression You have a valley of dead bones in a vision in Ezekiel. Then you have a mind that is alive, but it's set on earthly things. And then you have this just lack of imagination, spiritual vitality of what God can do in the Gospels. Everybody's doubting God. And so this is a spiritual apathy that you see in today's world. Dead bodies, dead minds, dead dead spiritual imaginations. Another general theme related to the first is uh, that these texts compare and contrast life in the spirit and life in the flesh. In the epistle passage, there's a moment, uh, or excuse me, in the Ezekiel passage, there's a moment when these, all these bodies are resurrected and they're all together, but there's no life in the bodies. The spirit hasn't yet entered them. And so they're still dead, even though they're together. In the epistle passage, it's the, it's the same in that people might well be alive, but they're dead in their minds, and they're dead toward God because the Spirit doesn't dwell in them, enlightening their minds to the things of God. 
And the gospel passage seems to push everyone just a little bit further. Okay, so when Jesus says, our friend has fallen asleep, the disciples don't understand. They say, well, well he'll get better if he's asleep. Or then when uh, Jesus comes to Martha and he says, your brother will live. And Martha says, I know he'll be resurrected one day. And then Jesus when he's among the crowd, says, remove the stone. And Martha and everyone around says, well, by this time, he'll stink. Jesus then responds to her by saying, but didn't I tell you, you would see the glory of God. So that's that spiritual imagination I was talking about in our first theme. Paul says it, no eye has seen, ear heard, nor entered the thoughts of human beings, the glorious things which God has prepared. And it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that enables our eyes to see or our minds to have this imagination that God does this, these glorious things among us and oftentimes we're blind to it or, or maybe we just haven't been pushed far enough in our faith. A third theme, again related to the first two, is that it's the Spirit that gives life. And I know for many of us listening to this podcast, that's a no-duh kind of statement. But if you're a preacher, an elder, a teacher, whatever, and you're out and about with people outside the church, and a lot of times people inside the church, People are seeking life through other means. In fact, many are just simply opposed to thinking about spirituality uh, or finding meaning and purpose in their life through Christianity. In the Ezekiel passage, there's no medical advancement, no technology, no human power that can bring bones together. But even if you can sew and glue bones together, where does actual life come from? Right? We had that point to where Uh, In the Ezekiel passage, their dead bodies are standing, but there's no life in them. In the Epistle passage, Paul speaks of the deadness of our minds. And he talks about walking in the Spirit only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's no manipulation we can do as parents or teachers or preachers or elders that can instill life into dead bones and dead minds. The Gospel passage illustrates this well. No matter how much we love someone or care for someone, we all face death, physically and spiritually. And it's only the call of God, only the power of the Holy Spirit, that can resurrect our bodies and give our minds uh, a vitality that we, we lack. And now the, uh, the last thing that I have for you today, of course, is related to the three that I've just talked about. And it's the theme of waiting. This theme begins in the psalm when the psalmist says, My soul waits on the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Because we can't resurrect ourselves, because we can't transform ourselves, because we have no way of, of being what God wants us to be apart from the Holy Spirit, we also have to wait for the Holy Spirit. Part of faith and living by the Spirit is waiting. It's waiting on God to move in God's own time. Like Ezekiel, waiting for God to bring the dead back to life, waiting for the Spirit to breathe life into dead bodies. Like Martha and Mary, we wait on God to demonstrate the power, glory, and majesty of God. And now for the individual text. In Ezekiel, uh, I have to say this passage is kind of important to me because it was the foundational text for my doctoral work. And my working thought throughout my my thesis and, and my doctorate program was that the church is full of dead bones. And I know that seems like low-hanging fruit, and it sounds like I'm one of those preachers that are never happy about people's spirituality. Um, But I include myself when I say this, and I think it's the truth of the American church is that we are spiritually weak, and won't get into it, but I think the church um, enabled the people, the congregation, to become spiritually weak, depending too much on the preacher and less on faith, 
and God and their own spiritual development. But anyway, we're a church that if you ask the average person, they're passionate about their faith. They love Jesus, but they don't often go to church. They're passionate about God, about God's grace. They love being forgiven. What would Jesus do? I couldn't make it without him. But they're not too concerned about holiness in their lives. We are passionate about God's love and care for us, but we're not too passionate enough to give financially or to give of our time uh, to the work of the church. And I know that the person listening to this podcast, it's a preaching podcast, chances are you're a preacher, a volunteer, you're an overachiever of some type, an elder. You're someone who probably gives to their church both time and, and, uh, and money. But you're probably one of the 20% that does 80% of the work. The vision God gives to Ezekiel was about Israel, the people of God and their deadness. But God breathes life into the people, and they stand as a vast multitude. I feel that's the vision for the church. I humbly acknowledge that it begins with me. And I ask you to join with me in praying that God would do now what God has done so many times before, is to breathe life into the dead souls of the church and raise up a vast multitude of people seeking God, seeking the betterment of the world, shining as light in darkness. Maybe to take it a little further, this this will help us in our preaching and teaching, that again, the power is in the Spirit, We do what is right when we prepare a sermon, when we prepare a lesson to teach, but the power of life comes only through the Holy Spirit. We are tools which God uses to prophesy to dead bones, but it's only God through the Holy Spirit which revives the soul. Sometimes I feel like Ezekiel when I'm asked, will these bones live? And I can only say only God knows, but I'll certainly do my part. In Psalm 130, uh, I love the, the verse, But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. These are sweet and precious words, and they're words that anchor my soul. God does provide for us. As God would care for, as you would care for your own children, God uh, cares for us. And the verse says, but God does not mark inequities, and God does forgive our sins. That's one of the reasons as we gather together each week, it's the reason why I certainly praise God. For me, it might be the greatest reason. But here's the trick if you're going to preach this, and this could just be me, but I don't think it is. I've been a preacher long enough to know that sometimes the thought of forgiveness seems too great for me. I can understand in my mind that God forgives me, that I am declared not guilty by faith in Jesus Christ. I've had the, the Romans road, and I've read a lot of Martin Luther. But sometimes it takes me a while to feel forgiven. So it's like the psalmist when the psalmist says, My soul waits on the Lord more, for the, more than those who watch for the morning. It is God that redeems. It's God who lifts my soul. This is why I praise God. Sometimes I have to wait and I have to be reminded gently by a preacher, by worship music, by the rituals of forgiveness and these kinds of things. I've got to apprehend that forgiveness. And so I wait on the Lord. Uh, Romans 8, chapter, or Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. Uh, this is a cool passage. So um, I have a little statue of three monkeys. You've probably seen the, this figure before. Um, it, it's probably like the original meme. Uh, one of the monkeys has its eyes covered. One monkey has its mouth covered. And the other monkey has its eyes covered. Uh, and it's the uh, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil monkeys. The point of that statue is to remind us that we must be intentional about what we allow ourselves to do and also intentional about the things that we refrain from doing. 
Paul uses this same kind of theme in Colossians chapter 3. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And we do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like when the Spirit um, comes into our lives and our hearts, the Spirit then shows us those things which please God. And then we uh, commit ourselves to those things. And we refrain from, intentionally refrain from, opening ourselves up to those things that would hurt us. We're intentionally, we're intentional about everything we say or we do not say. We're intentional about everything we see or that we choose not to see. I used to make fun of people who wouldn't go to movies because they were R-rated or so on. But the older I get, um, the more I realize they've got to do what they've got to do. And I've got to do what I've got to do. We, we must be intentional about setting our mind on things above and not being uh, entangled by things below. Uh, we have to be intentional about the things we choose to hear and the things we choose not to hear, right? Are we going to participate in gossip? Are we going to refrain from that, find a way out, these kinds of things? God reveals to us through the Spirit these heavenly things to set our minds on, and we grieve the Holy Spirit when we set our mind and, and we pursue earthly things. And then John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27 is what I want to focus on. Um, this text can go many different ways, and, and I'll leave it to you know, the preachers to come up with their ways. There's, there's all kinds of stuff in here to preach. I'm just going to share with you what I've got uh, because it's, it's, uh, it's a gift from me to you. It's a gift of grace. Uh, the reason why this passage is so important to me is that I used it at, as the uh, text at my brother's funeral. And, and I've been to funerals many times, and you have unexpected deaths. And, and oftentimes there's people, well, just life does this. There's times when you might think or people in the church might think in regards to someone dying, well, if I'd have just been there a little bit earlier, or if someone would have just done this, or if somebody would have done that, or if this person would have done, there's all kinds of if questions, and there's all kinds of what if questions. And so so I feel like, I remember at the funeral, I felt like Martha, Lord, if I would have done something, or if something was different, or if something else would have happened, then my brother would not have died. But eventually, I worked myself into the same mind as Martha when she says, yes, Lord, I believe my brother will rise again. Later she says that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one that comes into the world. I don't want to get into that too terribly deep, but I offer this to anyone who may have had the same thoughts, who are deeply missing any of their loved ones who have died. The passage is, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven and God's children are restored to the glory which they were originally created to be. Even better so. So anyway, I'll leave it with that. And uh, I do pray for all of our virtual churches and I uh, commend all the churches for showing such a response uh, to try to keep in touch with their congregation and, and to, to all the preachers and elders who are being the Good shepherds, they're called to be. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.